0: Well, happy Memorial Day to my listeners. Uh, Hopefully all of you have picnics and barbecues to go to later on today. Um, Here in Seattle, we have kind of a eh, little bit of a hazy day, um, but it'll work. Uh, My guest today is actually part of my writing crew, Penelope Wright. She is the author of the book No Use for a Name, and we will get our show started. um, Oops, I find my music. What happened to it? Oh, here we go. I was gonna I was gonna click on somebody else's music. Well, good morning, Penny. Good morning. So um, actually, we could lead in with, you know, as an author, you're named Penelope, right? And, of course, those of us who know you well and are friends, we call you Penny. Um, And the title of your book is No Use for a Name. And it brings up an issue, uh, kind of the central thread of this book is how important it is to have the correct name. Um, I was able to finally finish reading your book after buying it um, was a couple of weeks ago when we did our author appearance together. So I'd like you to give our listeners the elevator pitch, and then we can start talking about the content.
1: Okay. Um, no Use for a Name is a book about a 15-year-old girl who goes into the DMV to get her learners and finds out at that time that what she thought was a nickname is actually her legal name. Her family has always called her baby, and it turns out that that's just because her parents were too lazy and neglectful to pe- to fill out the paperwork to actually legally name her. So her legal name on her driver's license is baby girl Anderson. And that kind of kicks off a search for her identity and uh, things go a bit awry and she ends up being known by a few different names to a few different people. And it, um, and it's interesting how people treat her differently when they think her name is one thing versus another. It really is kind of like the forward facing way that uh that people get to know us is first through our name and it's kind of amazing how much that can affect the way you're treated
0: and, you know and you that is an interesting point because uh you know at one point she tells her sister and mother to call her tawny which is you know kind of a i don't know you'd think of that almost like a stripper name and um but that yeah it some of the names that she has were funny um and uh you know her cousin I loved Kaya and I think Kaya that's a great name actually it is pronounced Kaya K A I A yes it is okay and Kaya was a great character and she was a good foil for baby girl and um you know I love how she kind of becomes part of this whole naming adventure for her
1: so. Yeah, I really like the character of Kaya too. I I like how complicated she is, and you know, I'd love to, I'd love to actually explore her character more sometime in the future. I think you could. I, you know, you've she
0: has a, an interesting past. In fact, both of these girls, their family is their families are pretty whacked out. Um, you know, I wanted to call children's services on the mom on baby girl's mom. <laughs> It's like, yeah. you know, and it, a lot of the kids that I knew when I was teaching had complex families like this. And, uh, and you know, thank goodness I. were peers.
1: Yeah, right. I I knew a lot of kids who were kind of in situations, maybe not exactly like this, um, because this is obviously a work of fiction, but mm-hmm. just with parents who were checked out and, you know, had kind of given up on the whole parenting thing. So when I wrote the book, I had in mind that this might be something that would be something that kids who didn't have a lot of parental support at home could read and, you know, feel better about life after after reading it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: what was the inspiration uh that that the catalyst
0: that had you decide you know i'm gonna write a book about a girl with no name what 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 prompted that
1: yeah you know i i'm not entirely sure where that came from But um, I was trying to write a short story and I'm not awesome at writing short stories because I like to go, you know, I don't really like to write anything less than 50,000 words, but, um, (laughs) but I was trying for 1500. And so I wrote the first chapter of the book as something that I thought would be its own self-contained story. And when I finished it, I thought, well, this is just not the end. This, I need to, I need to know what happens. But, as far as the not being named aspect of things, I've always been really fascinated by by names and really the way people treat you. I've read those articles about, um, you know, resumes and how certain resumes will be passed over depending on what name is on there. I had a friend named um, Catherine who she was a mechanic and when she would submit her resume under Catherine, she wouldn't get any calls, but when she would submit it under CJ and her phone would be ringing off the hook because she had an excellent resume. So um, so I got to thinking about that and other, other stories of oddly, you know, named people or like just odd circumstances surrounding how their names were selected. And I decided to try writing about someone who had no name at all. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and you you bring up a point about well, name and gender. I know as a writer, you know, a lot of writers struggle with especially female writers struggle with, you know, do I put my name on this book, you know, um are boys going to read it because it's by a girl writer? And I think that that's probably what happened with FE Hinton, uh, JK Rowling, a lot of writers who use initials because boys don't want to be caught and even men sometimes don't want to be caught reading a book by a female author. And uh, so right. we still kind of have that stigma
1: about girl books versus boy books. It It is incredibly distressing that that is still – part of our society i agree i think that um people like jk rowling have done a lot to break down those barriers and um mm-hmm. and you know, i do remember when I, I think i was on book three of her amazing series before i found out she was a woman and i was so delighted you know i was like this is the best thing i've ever heard you know <laughs> that uh that she was female and um and I think that that did a lot to kind of drag some people out of the dark ages and, oh, actually, you know, women women yeah. can write books that appeal to everyone, not just other women, which, as we know, is, you know, it, that has always been true. But a lot of people have um, maybe not known that fact until people like J.K. Rowling kind of blazed the trail. So, um, you yeah. know, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting though, that Suzanne Collins,
0: kept her real name on her books with the Hunger Games and it was actually a boy who recommended the the first one to me. He st- he saw me in the hallway one day and I he was never much of a reader. He stopped me in the hallway and goes, You've got to read this book and he was just adamant Wonderful. that I had to read the Hunger Games. So so I did and he was right, of course. Um so mm-hmm. you know, it's like I'm thrilled that this non reading boy well, he'd read stuff, but he was mainly more into, you know, a lot of the, you know, the hunting-type stuff, uh, Gary Paulson and that stuff, but, uh, never, you know, never read long books. But Hunger Games was, you know, it was something that just, like, he was telling everybody about it. So kudos yeah. to her for, for doing that. So, um, yeah, so, so, I you know, I love the whole idea that this girl just, and it, it does. It, it you know it does flip a switch in you, and you find out something that you thought, you know, for 15 years of your life you thought one thing, and then you find out well everything is a lie. I don't even have a name. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's you know that's a pretty that's a pretty intense thing to find out about yourself. And uh, well, and, and it
1: kind person, of kicks off. Uh. It kind of and- kicks off her her search for her name. Kicks off a lot of other threads um, for her and finding out a lot of things about her family that are surprises. And um, you know, she meets a boy as well, and he he uh, learns learns one name for her, and she goes by a different name with another boy. So there's a little bit of a confusing. Um, to the boys. <laughs> love triangle there. Yeah.
0: And it's all Kaya's fault.
1: <laughs> it is. It's all Kaya's fault. I just I love Kaya. She um so Kaya is an alcoholic and um and you know, I'd really like to spend some more time on Kaya kind of exploring what her problems are and what she's trying to what she's trying to run from. Right. And she does have yeah.
0: issues. Her family, you know, her, you don't get a, a big glimpse into them, but you know that there are problems, the way the parents speak to one another and the way they both treat her and how they treat baby. Um, uh-huh. So there's, there's, there's some issues there that I think could be really well developed. So when you get finished with your current work in progress, which our, our critique crew is going to be, we're all going to be shredding each other's work in the next few days. But, you know mm-hmm. that might be your next project, because uh, I think I you know I think the other the other group members would probably I think I know Charmin has has had a chance to read it I don't know if uh, Jennifer
1: slash Louise has but uh, you know, yes live, well, she did I, she read it back when it came out so oh, okay that's well, right we're, we're both we exchanged
0: together because my book also came out in
1: 2016
0: like <laughs> Pablo that's, that's right. Changed. He often joins my interviews. Don't you? He hears
1: me talking. <laughs> He'll come in and, and start adding to the conversation. So uh, my cats will do that as well. Anytime I'm talking, if I'm reading out loud to my kids or if I'm talking on the phone, they like to come up and crawl all over me. It's something about <laughs> my my speaking voice. They just mm-hmm. go wild for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe because I'm kind of a crazy old lady, and I talk to my cat like it's a human. (laughs) He's got a human name too. He's named Pablo after, of course, the uh, the Pablo Neruda. So um, yes. So yeah, there's a you know we talked, well we've talked many times about about things about writing and all this and uh, um. What do you think with, well, you've got a couple of manuscripts out there now that our group has helped you with. And um, how do you think this manuscript might have been different if, you know, if we had all critiqued it? I, You know, as a reader, I think it actually ties up nicely. I, You know, I think it w- works really well. So, oh, um, thank you.
1: I know. You know, you- I sus- I suspect I might not have used as strong language if our critique group had worked on this one together, you know, because um, the F word does appear several times in my book. Um, you know, um, <laughs> so a word of caution. Um, and, you know, when, when we're writing together a lot of the time when one of those sneaks in, because that honestly, it's just how people talk, but um right. But when one sneaks into my writing, it'll have a lot of red pen around it. Like, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to say this here? This is turning off, you know, mm-hmm. a large section of uh, potential readers. And, and I'll look at it and I'll go, yeah, that's the only one in the book. Maybe I can change it to to something else. Mm-hmm. But um, so I may have toned down the language in this first manuscript had we all worked, you know, worked through it with a critique group together. Right but um but I may have argued and said no 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 it has to be this way because this is just the way people in her world talk because it you know it I think there's nothing gratuitous about the language that I used it it's all pretty natural for the characters yeah, it's, it, you know that's
0: that's always something that you know I struggle with too because I write for teenagers and but you know they talk like that in the hallways they talk like that with each other and I think as writers, we would lose credibility if we have, you know, a character
1: who is saying, well, shucky
0: darn, or, oh, fun.
1: Exactly. Gee willikers. <laughs> <That way. laughs> no, when I'm down, you know, I, I live close to a high school. When I'm down there walking the track or whatever, you know, I, I hear people talking to each other, and it's, you know, it's not shucky darn. It's not no. gosh dang it, you know. Gosh. I mean, it's just not. <laughs> So you know, I think it's ridiculous to try and and write a contemporary YA that doesn't in, that doesn't address the way people actually talk to each other. Now, maybe in some places and in some communities, that's that's not true. And I also know that there's a large group of readers out there who maybe they do hear it all day at school, and they just don't want to see it in their books. They just rather maybe. not. So. So, you know, I'm not saying that, um, that that there is no market for clean contemporary YA. There certainly is, but, actually, uh, but yeah, I right. find, yeah, I find myself it sneaks in quite a bit because I guess I'm just around so much of that language that I, that's how I write. Um, but, you know, I will say that of the two manuscripts that I have that are complete right now, that we worked on as a critique group one of them completely clean no swearing nada and that was a little bit hard for me but i may you know but i did it and i'm proud of it and i love that book um and i hope that it sees the light of day at some point and then i have another one where there there is definitely that kind of language and and it was appropriate to the project so right um so i think, it, yeah. well, that one
0: has the devil in it so you know
1: you know that's <laughs> well, the one with the devil, and it's the clean one, actually.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. You know, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, I
1: I challenge you to to find that's a single cut word in that manuscript. <laughs>
0: well, the he does use the you know the hell word, but um, but it's in the well, as a place context. name. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know the well by not having any you know, F-bombs or other swearing or or even sex, um, it does open it up to more, it opens it up as middle grade and high school because that's kind of the big dividing line between YA and middle grade, you know, is the sex and the swearing. So if there's a lot of swearing and, you know, any heavy petting and anything like that, that's definitely going to rule it out of the middle grade and Scholastic and other publishers who, you know, they're not going to pick it up. I guess you'd say, but right, I don't right, know, that, that, that makes that, sense. That's a great concept. So I hope that that one, you know, I'm really rooting for you. Actually, on both of your manuscripts, you know, it's it, it's like I don't know. It's just I feel like I'm I'm a part of these books. I mean, you wrote them, but I also feel like I have a Of a voice and it's you know it's kind of like when you you have you know your your niece or nephew has a role on stage and you think they're the best one you know so I think if your books yeah nieces and nephews you know they're not my own children but they're they're my nieces and nephews
1: (laughs) right they're closely related to you yes that's
0: right that's right
1: yeah, yeah. I totally get that. And and I'd love, you know, bo- both of those manuscripts have gotten so much better through our critique group because I they were, you know, complete before mm-hmm. we began evaluating them. And um sometimes as a writer, I my worst habit besides overusing the word just, which is oh, <laughs> But uh, but other than that, my worst habit is just starting in the wrong place, you know, and I think I've, I've heard that a lot of writers do this, we need to write a couple of chap to get ourselves grounded in the world before we can really move forward with what's actually happening in the plot. But a lot of the time, those first chapter or two where I'm figuring out the world, just kind of stays in my manuscript. And, um, and it really does not belong there, because we, you know, the inciting event occurring you know it has to occur in the first couple of pages not while i'm figuring things out right that's you know and I, i've you know most of my
0: writer friends do the same thing and i know our friend jen Bardsley is really good at helping people she points out things where you know this is all backstory um because she uh-huh. is a plotter whereas i think you and i are pantsers where we write off the seat of our pants and just you know to me and I've tried to do the plotting thing and in my drafts and I I find myself blocked by plotting.
1: Mm hmm. So it takes I, the fun out. Yeah. I usually have like the plot in my head and then mm-hmm. I'll write a bunch of the manuscript and and I'll be thinking to myself you know and I'll get about thirty thousand words in and um. And I'll say to myself, oh, boy, what, what's happening? Where are these people going? And then I'll <laughs> write myself a little document called Things That Need to Happen. And I'll lay okay. it all out, you know, like, well, these are things that I still need to have happen for the book to be complete. And then I kind of try and nudge my characters to, you know, that uh, that place where I need them. And occasionally it just doesn't it doesn't work out all that well, you know, in No Use for a Name. The Joey character was not supposed to have as much screen time as he did, but um, but I kept writing things where he would pop up to kind of guide the plot along, and and he mm-hmm. his character took on a life that I did not expect at all. And I would as I would be writing it, I would think to myself, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Where is this going? What is why? why? I'm going to have to completely mm-hmm. cut all of this but i would just keep writing and then i'd let it sit for a week or so and i'd go back to read it and i'd say you know what this is this is actually pretty good i'm you know i'm really glad i did not delete this as i was typing cuz cause, cause it would certainly be um you know something i would think about i don't know if you can hear it but i have a like a 1940s style bomber aircraft flying over me repeatedly are you picking up No that i don't at hear
0: all? it yeah
1: oh well yeah. that's nice <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that's a good Somebody thing. is yeah. out for a lovely fly today. <laughs> is that what they call it when you go out and dr- and drive your um, airplane around to fly? I think so, yeah. Yeah, every once <laughs> in a while, like know. in the
0: summertime when I do interviews because I do these from, you know, my the home studio and uh every once in a while like the the people who take care of our grounds they'll be out there trimming bushes and I have to like close the window. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. No no soundproof studio. It's you know, it's not exactly how it works, but, but anyway, back to our our interview. I think yes. Joey is a great character because he actually helps he helps introduce the underlying story and a lot of the, inter, the the things that underlie in that family. He's also kind of a he's a, he's an ally for her. And Yes. Kind of you know, we get an idea because, well, the whole thing with, um, oh, the you know, you have the two boys. You have Derek and uh, what's the other kid's name? Greg. and Grady. she Grady. And he kind of warns her off Grady, which for a while there as I'm reading, I'm thinking one thing like, oh, you know, he's not as nice as you think he is. But then we find out the real reason that he, war- he warns him off Grady. So I don't want to get too, mm-hmm. too much because we want people to read this book. But, uh, right. Right. So I, it totally works. It's like your subconscious must have known you had to have somebody in there to her. That uh, that she, you know, kind of like little sprinkles of advice to help her, help her out. So because baby girl has very few allies. Basic, her allies are essentially Kaya and her brother. And a little bit of mm-hmm. Derek, but, you know, sometimes not, you know, because Derek is a typical teenage boy with, uh, you know, a little bit of anger issues. And, you yeah. know, they have a little bit of, you know, there's this kind of chemistry between them that, you know, chemistry is sometimes bad
1: as well as good.
0: So. Yeah, right. And, uh,
1: you know, and I, I think when you're, when you're a teenage girl and you're just getting to know a boy, I, I, I don't think you want to make him your, your one ally, you know, right away. Right. I think you right. need to protect your own self, you know, uh, before you put all your eggs in that basket. So I didn't right. really want Derek to be her strong ally um, throughout the well, book. Because, especially after you the know,
0: comment he made. Um, when they're all getting driving lessons, and he and Ashley are joking around about, you know, the trailer, not knowing that uh-huh. that's actually where the baby girl lives. So I think she's, she's a smart enough girl. She's going to know that you know, I may not be able to count on this guy. So I hope I didn't get to it. Right. In fact, he's fairly early in the book. So um,
1: Yeah, but, yeah, know. and that's kind of a... a- pivotal plot moment too you know that yeah. that you didn't I don't think you said too much mm-hmm. at all but um, but yeah yeah that that is a, a spot where baby says oh wow well, I maybe I maybe I need to protect yeah. myself a little bit more here yeah right yeah, yeah
0: and I think given her upbringing she's not going to rush into the arms of the nearest because you know she's got older sisters who they're all three train wrecks and her own parents uh-huh. are train wrecks. Her aunt, and uncle, are train wrecks. So, yeah, but, you know, I just I can yeah, find myself rooting for this kid. You know, she's got what we call rooting rooting qualities. So thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know,
1: it's it's a sad reality that a lot of kids are surrounded by those types of environments where everyone around them has like insurmountable. Problems, and they're yeah. just trying to keep it together until they can get out. Um, and is- uh, through through the book, I kind of wanted to let people know that you you can totally do that. You know, you, you're not yes. always dealt the best hand in life when it comes to family, but um, but you can hold it together until you can get yourself out. Well, another another thing to consider,
0: young adult now. If there's a huge surge in it, and I, I believe part of it is that kids have it harder than we did when we were kids. They're, uh-huh. they're growing up much quicker. Uh, they're getting news feeds 24-7. They're connected 24-7. Uh, bullying has become a huge problem because it used to be if you got bullied at school, you know, you had a safe haven at home. The bullies were right. there at home, unless you came from a bullied environment. But um, you had people around you who you could count on. And but nowadays, because kids have these connections, um, and it just gets worse. They can't and worse get away and, from it. Right. And, yeah. Of course, school shooting incidences are, have been on the rise, and you know, it. I can't imagine being a, a kid and thinking in the back of your mind, is this the day something's going to happen in my classroom? I mean, school was always a
1: safe zone for kids. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I remember when I was in junior high, um, bombs, bomb threats started up. Mm-hmm. I, it had never been a thing, but, uh, but all of a sudden it became a big thing, and at, they'd release everybody mm-hmm. from school, and we'd all walk to our friends' houses, and... And it was it was it was new and um and it was scary but but at the same time, nobody actually thought that anything like that was really going to happen. Um, these yes. days you know it it has happened it could every single time you know i just I can't even imagine the amount of stress that these children are under um, <clears throat> I work part time at my kids' school. And one of the reasons I do that is just to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on and to be there as as a safe and competent adult in case anything, you know, awful were to happen. And and that's really sad. Like, shouldn't I be working there for the money? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly I, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, and.
0: Yeah, it's gone beyond. Like you know, a bomb threat <clears throat> when you were younger is probably think, you're thinking, oh, you know, that's a prank. But this is this is not. Right. These are not right. pranks anymore. Because I remember when I first started teaching, you know, we had a lot of those, you know, calling bomb threats or fire alarms. You know, a lot of times they happened on a nice day when kids would say, hey, let's not go to school today. Okay, let's call in a bomb. threat. Uh-huh. But they were pranks and you know, within the hour, you know, they, you evacuated the building, and then without, in an hour they figured out, okay, this is fake, and they you back, you're back in the classroom. But you can't take that chance anymore because of, of the horrible, horrible things that have happened.
1: So, yeah. But, yeah. You
0: know, and I think that could be another reason why fantasy is actually a pretty popular genre in uh for YA
1: because the worlds are so different. I don't know. I can see why there would be a market for reading about something that is that is not contemporary. You know, honestly, that's not about what's going on right now because if I you know, I just would not want to be having to deal with this this sort of stuff with only a few years of life experience. I don't want to deal with it now and I'm a full adult. No. Um yeah. if I was 14 or 15 and only had a few years of, you know, of catalogable life experience upon which I could draw to help me deal with these things, I would be a mess. I would be an absolute mess. And I don't I don't watch the news around my children. I don't want them to have to be confronted with thinking about topics like this but of course you know it gets discussed at school and you know my kids have questions and and I'm just like oh my goodness this is this is so terrible and I know um you know I've seen I've seen some some writing trying to trying to address this topic and it's really difficult to do because it's just so raw and so painful and um yeah yeah, you know, and I think uh,
0: there's also a, there's a huge market for humor. A lot of middle grade books are using humor, which I think is great, you know, because you have to be able to laugh. Um, you know, So yeah. you want to balance that off with uh, something serious as well. And I always, even though my topics in my books are always kind of serious, I always try to have kind of, a, I guess you'd call them moments of lightness,
1: you know, some levity in there fun conversation yeah and it's, my it's favorite nice. author of all time um is is uh just hysterical i love his work his name's gordon corman he's canadian oh, and yeah. um
0: yeah. and pretty
1: much every canadian i've ever come across it uh, cracks me up they're such a funny country of people i don't know if it's because you know the nights are so long in the winter and they have to entertain each other <laughs> i don't know but uh but Gordon Corman, I discovered him when I was in fourth grade, and um, and his books are so, so funny. And they got me through some really tough times as a kid. I remember we moved to Florida one year, and I loved it there. And then we decided to move again, and I, I didn't want to leave. And I found a Gordon Corman book called I Want to Go Home. And I read that book over and over and over that summer, and it was the only thing that made me happy. And it was so funny. And, you know, and I still have it. I've read it to my children, and, and they think it's hysterical as well. And I just, I owe such a debt of gratitude to Gordon Corman for, um, for making my childhood a lot more pleasant than it would have been otherwise, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh, what, you know, you related about your experience as a kid. I remember a book, um, I don't remember the author, it's called Dear Mr. Henshaw. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's kind of um, only, Beverly Cleary. Yeah, Beverly Cleary, that's right. And, you know, he feels like the only his only friend is Mr. Henshaw, the author of his favorite books. So Oh, my gosh, great, totally. Yeah, a great book. And, you know, that, that's why kids, you know, I, we moved a lot when I was a kid. And, of course, you know, I had two brothers, but usually they were my only friends besides books because you move into a new neighborhood. And everybody... You know, the older you get, the more they already have their friends established. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we move every two or three years. I went to three different high schools in three different states. So, you know, yeah, it's hard. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. Always, it's hard. And, uh, and then if you have a funny last name, you know, or you don't wear the, the right clothes, you know, if you move from the East Coast to the West Coast or vice versa, you're not going to wear the right
1: clothes. They're going to make funnier clothes on day one so. Right, right. What was cool in Florida was not cool in Washington State, I can tell you that much. Yeah. And it's funny that you say if you have a funny name because that that Mm -hmm. takes us back to no use for a name. You know, you move into it, well, Mm -hmm. my character doesn't move anywhere in that book, but but like human beings, you move somewhere, you have a funny name and, and everybody automatically starts treating you a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, and they feel free to to give you a nickname whether you feel,
0: whether you've earned it or not. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, it, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it's a subtle form of bullying. I mean, we've always had bullies, but uh, yeah, calling people names, you know, they say, oh, you know, sticks and stones will hurt, break your bones. Words will never hurt you. Words can hurt a lot. And names right. can, can hurt a lot or, you know, just like in your book when she's Calls herself Mary. She's treated one way, and she calls herself Tawny, or Barbie. You know, there's there's different different names. Um, my favorite one was when Kaya called her Athena.
1: <laughs> oh yes, yeah. oh,
0: and she so. became
1: quite powerful. <laughs> she did.
0: She did. So you know. Yeah, and I you know I think I remember probably about that age. I mean there are a lot of. A lot of things, kids will think, oh, I want to explore a new name. I don't I don't live up to my name or I don't like the sound of my name.
1: So. Well, I hate it, my yeah. name. Uh, you know, Penelope was horrifying mm-hmm. to me as a kid. And I remember being in school and, you know, I'd try and cut the teacher off as quickly as I possibly could. She'd, you know, on the first day of school when she'd be calling out my name, Pen- I'd be like, Penny, Penny, you know. And I was 19 and, and it's so clear in my, in my memory, I was going over the Sedgwick overpass as I was driving home. And for some reason, my name Penelope popped into my head and I just started saying it out loud. And I was like, Penelope, Penelope. And I loved it. And I was like, Hmm. why have I rejected this gorgeous name my whole life? And uh, so I went by Penelope exclusively for a few years after that. And it's, um, and, and it's a mouthful, you know. It's four syllables. Right. By the time somebody finishes saying your name, they're already sick of talking to you. So I just <laughs> I revert it back to Penny after a while. But um, but I still really like the name Penelope. And when we were going to uh, to publication with no use for a name, I asked my agent, you know, what do you think I should go by? Should I go by you know Penelope Wright or Penny Wright? And she said, Oh, Penelope for sure. It's way more fun. And I was like, Well, thank you. <laughs> So, but, um, but in my day to day life, like when people call me Penelope, I just, I feel like such a weirdo, like, you know, like I'm trying to get them to treat me like British royalty or something, which is bizarre. Cause it's, it's my name, but, um, right. but when people call me Penelope, like in real life, it feels weird.
0: What well, do you find that because on a professional level,
1: like
0: if you go to a conference, your your nameplate probably says Penelope, right? Do you find that mm-hmm. you are treated differently as Penelope than you are as
1: Penny? I do. I mean, not not extremely differently the way somebody might treat a Mary versus a Barbie, but um, but when I'm going by Penelope at a writer's conference or some, you know, function that's um, official, people do tend to treat me with more like with with uh, kid gloves, like I'm more high maintenance, and mm-hmm. um, and when I'm Penny, I'm a lot more fun, and you know I'm easygoing, and I'm not gonna have some ridiculous order in the restaurant, but Penelope would. Penelope does for everything <laughs> on the side, you know.
0: Yeah, let's get Penelope. Yeah. Well,
1: we're starting to run a
0: long time. Um, where can people find copies of your book? No use for a name. Well,
1: it's been out for a couple years now, so um, you can order it at any bookstore. Um, if you want a copy right now, Kindle would be your best friend. Um, it's available mm-hmm. on Nook and you know Amazon, of course. So basically, all all the all the outlets you can think of, you can get a hold of my book that way. Um, but your fastest bet is probably going to be. Amazon, but I do always recommend that you go to your bookstore and ask for it and then pick up like two or three other books by other authors that I adore while you're there. All right. Well, um, Penelope,
0: (laughs) I've had a great time talking to you. And uh, I will see you tomorrow as Penny when we start shredding each other's work again. Yeah, uh, I look forward to it. all right, and thank you again for being a, a guest on this uh, beautiful holiday weekend and um, enjoy your barbecue later on. I know I will. And um, Thank you for having me. So, all righty, and uh, so thanks again, and um, I'll be talking to you soon. All thank right, um, that has been author Young Adult author Elipi Wright, and her book No Use for a Name, as she said, is available pretty much in bookstores everywhere. Uh, there may be some copies in the local Seattle area bookstores, and um, my guest next week is a Texas author named Amanda Thrasher, and she also deals with uh, she deals with a couple of uh, she's got a couple of books out there with uh, dealing with difficult things for teens and um, so i 'll be talking with her next um, well I guess it'll be June when I talk to her. So um, until then, this has been a copyrighted podcast solely owned by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. Have a great holiday, and we will talk to you soon.